I want to get to two things on the catch and early buzz. Lincoln Riley's new home in California is freaking absurd. And Trey Flowers just got, by, got released by the Detroit Lions. But before we do, you said he had a story to rip up. What's the oh, story? Yeah. It's not a great one. It's just something very dumb that happened to me today that I feel like an asshole about. So I'm mm. going to share it with podcast listeners. I, I got a Walmart Plus membership. It's like Amazon Prime, but with Walmart um, for, via my credit card. They're really trying to push it. And one of the things they were offering is one-day delivery on household items, like trying to beat... Amazon, I'm guessing, is what it is. So uh, I haven't like used it really at all, this Walmart Plus membership. And I'm like, okay, I, I wanted a couple things. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to try it. Free delivery, it says, one day shipping. I buy a few things. And I get, and it said scheduled to be delivered today. And I'm expecting like it's coming in the mail. You know, like you buy something on Amazon, you get it in your post box. I think that's a fair expectation. And it says out for delivery. And I get a call on my phone. And it says DoorDash driver. And I'm like, oh no. You know, you like it, the iPhone will say that. And I'm like, oh shit. I have a guy come to my front door to deliver me a six pack of diet tonic water this morning. No. And I was felt so bad. I'm just like, no. Like, and the worst part was. So I ordered two things. I have a packet of cotton swabs coming tomorrow from a guy DoorDash door delivering me. And I felt, dude, I feel like such an asshole. I, I went through the app and like tipped him extra because I'm like, dude, that was awful. But I am never doing that ever again. Walmart Plus, what the hell? You have a DoorDash driver delivering me six pack of tonic water. I thought it was just going to come in the mail. That's a, that's hilarious. That so I would bad. also feel very similar. I yeah. mean, you kind of feel like an asshole. When a guy hands you a, a six-pack of tonic water, you look like an asshole. I, oh, dude, I felt like such a dick. Uh, and, the cotton uh, swabs is And also, be like, you know where we live, it's hard for people to find because it's on a walking. Yeah. To get in, you have to get, walk to the front door. And so I'm on the phone with them for, like, five minutes walking them through how to get to where I'm at to try to, like, find each other in the first place. It was brutal. It was a tough scene. Can we, can we promise to the Master Gators right now that will send them a picture or show a picture on the YouTube of the four TV setup for March Madness. I feel like oh, we yeah. owe them that. A handful yeah. of people have DM me and asked for it, and we don't have a good picture of it yet. I think we owe them that. Yeah, for sure. We don't have to show the shared bed, but I think the four TV setup, I think, would look cool. You had a bed. Okay, so Austin bought a bed, <laughs> and it was sitting in the living room for two weeks before you used it. You were laying on – you slept on – air mattress now of those two weeks we're at the combine for a good portion of it we still slept on the air mattress for two weeks the, the issue was i'm just busy bed. i didn't have a time to put it together before we left for the combine then we got back we got a bunch of shit to do i finally got it's together it's, it's the first together. time i've ever slept in a king <laughs> by the way by myself yeah and it, it's been it's been pretty incredible there's so much room i'm swimming in bed right now um it is it's i have a california king and i can never go back california king that's that's different that's definitely different it's longer Let's get to the listener mailbag. Let's do speak pipes at the end or speak pipes to start. I kind of want to get the energy going. Right, let's, let's go speak, speak pipes to start. start. Quinn, you got those ready? I do. First one is from Kaiser. I barely know her. Oh, I love that. What's up, boys? First off, congrats on uh, moving in together. Sounds really sick for a couple of dudes. But that's already <laughs> 30, but it's fine. Now, I bet your place has two bathrooms. Whose room has the bathroom connected to it? I would put all my money. That it's Mike's, guaranteed. Anyway, I wanted to know if you guys were running your own team, what kind of schemes do you think you would use, not including the personnel that you have? So would you rather run a 3-4 defense that's built from the front end or the back end? Would you rather run a 4-3 or maybe run a Tampa 2, some combination? What what do you guys think you would run? I would run a 3-4. 
And on offense, would you go with more of a zone running scheme or just pass heavy, throw it every down, Bruce Arians style, Andy Reid style, or would you go with a ground and pound play action like Stefanski or Mike Rabel? Just curious what you guys think. That's it. Kaiser, I barely know her. First, my bathroom is connected to the bedroom, yeah. which I didn't. So when we bought the place, we didn't buy it, actually. When we rented out the place, I had never seen it before we signed the lease. And you were the first to put your stuff in the room. I don't know why you didn't choose the one with the bathroom connected. That was, you know, that was up to you. Mine has a balcony as well. Oh, okay. And you're big on the balcony. The yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. So there was a reason. There yeah. was a reason. There's, a, there's an opportunity cost. In terms of the offense defense I'd run, definitely run three four. In terms of how I'd build it, you know, he's built from the front or whatever. I definitely think, you know, we spoke to some of the roster building strategy that we've had on this podcast, investing in run stuffing, two gapping interior defensive linemen and free agency and then day two and day three of the draft, adding pass rushers everywhere you can. I think you can't have enough pass rushers and then also raising the floor of your secondary by making sure that you always don't have obvious weak links, still have obvious fish in the secondary run probably. I personally like the defenses that Staley's putting out running more too high looks, but also one where it's not super dependent that you have man heavy corners. Cause I do think man heavy corners are hard to come by. Like to get a cornerback that can legitimately follow receivers, shadow receivers and stick to it. And it consistently, you know, and a defense that consistently calls man coverage. I do think it's a more difficult roster to build. Whereas you can get away with having average to above average corners when you're running more zone concepts and running more too high systems or too high looks as well. Offensively, I, I lean play action heavy Bills run pass ratio, right? I want to run a lot of play action, but I don't want to run the ball nearly at all. Build n barely invest anything in running backs. Never have a running back pass his rookie contract. Average to above average offensive line in free agency. Sign guys through free agency. Draft guys on day two, high day two, day three. And then where I spend my money, the quarterback position and the receivers, the playmakers and trade for Stefan Diggs and, and go get those guys. Yeah, I tend to lean defensively. I really like a lot what the Titans did this past year in terms of creating havoc with that front seven with as many stunts and slants as possible. I, I think you want to generate, in today's day and age in the NFL, you want to generate negative plays. I think that's a good way to scheme your front seven, not to just, you know, s s there's two like schools of thought and like, and how to. Like obviously, stop your, set up your front seven in terms of stopping the run. One's just like you know holding your gaps, limiting big plays. The other is like creating big plays yourself. I would lean more towards that. I like how the Baltimore Ravens have kind of built their defense in terms of investing in as many corners, as many safeties as possible that you know can cover, and then figuring it out, kind of you know mishmashing together those guys in the front seven, not necessarily investing as much in that front seven as you do in your back seven from a cap perspective. So that's how I build my defense. Offensively, I think there's a lot of ways to skin a cap. Um, I, I do really like Matt LaFleur's defense. I told the offense, excuse me, I told him that to his face. Uh, I, I do think you have to be, the focus has to be on being multiple and being a horizontal-based offense in today's day and age. You have to get guys out of position, crossing route heavy, that sort of like um, pre-snap motion heavy to give a lot of eye candy to opposing defenses because with as much zone as possible, you have to be able to break these zone uh, defenses. So that's where I lean in terms of like two schools of thought of offensively and defensively where I would uh, want to build my team. Do you want to start a team? 
in sure. high school or no, it was like early college. I remember my college roommates, one of my college roommates who's a big football fan, shout out John Marsh, John Marsh who's from Oakland, uh, a big fan of the podcast, one of my best friends. He and I would always talk about in college, we're going to start a high school team. We're going to run the wing tee. Mm. <laughs> we're going to run, we're going to run, run the ball 90% of the time. I, my, my opinions on football has changed, but I do think in high school, like it's different between building an NFL offense and a high school offense, high school, you can't do half the shit you want to do in the NFL. You yeah. just need them to do the simple things. A lot of misdirection. Guys don't know. That's why the wing tee works in high school. So much misdirection. No one knows what they're doing. And on offense, you're limiting error, right? Yeah. Like you, you're limiting error and limiting mistakes because you're not asking them to do complex comp well, it's, uh, things. It's why you hear even NFL coaches being like execution, execution, execution. Because at the lower levels of football, that is like all the it issue. really takes. Like yeah. that, like if you have guys that can purely execute your scheme you can overcome talent efficiencies exactly. at those levels of football. Now, NFL, you know, different story. Executions, like I said. I Complexity needs to be a part of it, right? Yeah. Like you can't skills, afford to just execute. Matters a ton, yeah. You can't afford to just execute. You need you need this layer of complexity. You need pre-step motions on every single play. Like you need Executing to a lot at the NFL level is talent-based. You know, everyone Fair. knows their role. Everyone's been drilled in it enough. A lot of guys just aren't good at it. (laughs) Next, speak pipe, Mike Quinn. Before we get to that, I hate to keep beating a dead horse, but what was the school that, like the fake school that actually did start a team? Or no. Bishop, Archbishop something. Archbishop Moeller. Bishop Sycamore. Bishop yeah. Sycamore. Yeah, there you go. So somebody beat you to that idea. Sorry. Oh, man. <laughs> Next time. Uh, this one is from Sexy Aussie Robot Jane. What's up, Robot Jane? Ahoy there, Mike and Austin, Jane? you dirty little sluts. You like a female computer voice talking dirty to you? I don't know that you? Austin. Come I on. <laughs> And a okay. sexy one, too. I can't afford yeah, to lose those. Even robots can't give you Just a call. Quinn, do we have Robot Jane? Yeah, can you not hear her? I can't hear her. I miss her. Robot Jane? We can pass on the Robot Jane if we need to go somewhere else. Thanks, Robot Jane. <laughs> what happened? Did you not really hear that? No, I really didn't hear it. Uh, Robot Jane wants more of me um, and had a question about... I'm sure she did. I'm sure she wanted more of you, Quinn. (laughs) The first voicemail we don't hear, she wants more of you. (laughs) It was a computer. It was Robot Jane. We can cut that part. Okay. Uh, We'll go to to Keyline Fred. Hey, fellas. It's Keyline Fred. I'm back, bitch. I needed a couple weeks after the season to reset... Play with my footballs and develop the strategy for the upcoming year. After sending that to the tits front office in an email, I'm back on a show. And it's something I want to talk about. And it's not that sometimes when Rena talks, I can hear mustaches, stuffy nose breathing in the microphone. That's not what I want to talk about. What I want to talk about is that if you take away the quarterback position, the tits had the best roster in the NFL. Let's think about it. I thought it would be the Bills. I thought it would be the Bills. But if you put Josh Allen on the tits versus Josh Allen on the Bills and they play, I'm taking the tits. Go down the line. It's true for everybody. I'm taking the fucking tits, okay? So when people keep saying, go to Denver if you want to win a Super Bowl, go to Pittsburgh, go to Philadelphia, Come on, go to the tits. And, and I, I know it's difficult with Tanny's contract, but it's not like he has no value, right? Am I right? So 
listen, I don't want to fucking listen to Russell Wilson's coach speak every time he's mic'd up, but if I have to, to, to do it and give up a first and a first and a second and a second and then a third, I'll fucking do it. That's it. That's all Fred has to say. A little scatterbrain from Fred. <laughs> also, uh, show him the hat. Oh, show the hat. Fred hat. It's right there. It's in the middle. What's Fred up, hat. Fred? Dude, appreciate Keyline Fred for sending out the lime hats. Um, I would argue the Tennessee Titans are not the best roster in football, even without Ryan Tannehill. I still think we have concerns in the secondary. It's still a very young secondary. Pass rush, they did re-sign Harold Landry, and I think they got after it last year, not by pure talent, but more of what Vrabel was doing, right? And the offensive line is not, I wouldn't even call it a top five unit. So I don't know if they have the best the best roster. I think they did exceed expectations. Yeah, the O-line, O-line's concerning. They just cut Roger Saffold today. Yeah. They have real issues there. So... I, I kind of have to disagree with Keyline here. I think he's just he, Keyline's just sad right now. He's, he's beaten up, yeah. dude. He, he was ex- one okay. seed. That seemed was, like that seemed like Keyline lashing out. Yeah. Posts. What, what are the stages of grief? That was one of the stages of grief. I'm Could not have been sure. Multiple stages. He's of at, grief. He's at, he's in it though. He's, he's still in deep it. in it. Let's just Keyline. I guess the way I want to answer that is just come back right. You know what I mean? Take more time off if you need to take time off, but. You don't have to be back on the podcast until you're ready. <laughs> All right, Keyline? Uh, you're coming on here and saying that Tennessee Titans have the best roster in the NFL with a quarterback. Needs some help. Needs some help. Come back right, Keyline. We miss you, and we appreciate you. Who do we got next? Uh, this is the last one. This is from Jesticles. Mm. Hey, Jesticles here. So I want Renner's opinion here. Now, I know. I'm a Giants fan. Blah, blah, blah. You guys are sick of talking. From, well, that's too fucking bad. So... Looking at Kuiper's draft here, and I love that Mr. Sunglasses Inside is available at five. Whew, I would be so happy come draft day. Now, at seven, though, he has us going inside linebacker. Like, eh, no, too rich. Now, all three tackles are off the board there, but is that a little rich for Ojabo? Oh, I fucked that one up. Uh, Ajabo, there we go. I think that's a little closer. Anyway, him or Linderbaum, uh, seven a little rich for them. Because I sure as shit don't want an inside linebacker. But um, let's get Renner's opinion on this, because fucking mustache there is going to cream himself over uh, Ojabo there. Stop. So, yeah, let's, Stop. Uh, let's get your opinion here. Uh, before... I'm not going to cream myself over a Jabba. I'd say a Jabba or Linderbaum at five or seven is too rich for me. I do think that if Kayvon Thibodeau does fall to them at five, they should sprint the card in. I really like Thibodeau to them at five. And then at seven, I, I recently considered that. I think they should go receiver. I, I don't hate them going after Drake London or Garrett Wilson there at seven because Kenny Galladay has not panned out, at least so far. And if they are going to have this free agency ad of Mitchell Trubisky and have them compete with have him compete with Daniel Jones, they're going to need more weapons than they have. And they're likely to lose Evan Ingram as well. Like This is a bad receiving core. And yeah, you already invested in Kadarius Toney, but he does a completely different thing than what Drake London would do if you did bring him in at seven. So I, I, I kind of like receiver there. Receiver and Kayvon Thibodeau, I think, would be a win. Yeah, so just looking at the positions that are kind of strong. So I'm the Giants. I'm a bad team. I don't, I don't think that's debatable. But so when you're a bad team, you need Good players are valuable positions. Well, we always preach the draft. Good players are valuable positions. And now I, I obviously don't hate the idea of chalking up a W with Tyler Lindebaum. He's a, he's a safe pick for sure. But you got the fifth and seventh pick. I, I've come around on this tackle class, edge class, wide receiver class, corner class at the top, having guys worthy of picks in that range. And when that's the case, 
the probably what I would say the four most valuable positions in the NFL outside of quarterback. When you have options to go and get guys who could be, maybe yes. not going to be the best center in the NFL, which Linderbaum could be in time. But they can be top 20 players in their respective positions. When you have that ability, you go out and draft those guys, in my opinion. So I'm not going to say, here, half draft this guy, half draft that guy, depending on how the board's going to play out. But like, if Derek Stingley's there, draft Derek Stingley. If um, Kayvon Thibodeau falls there, you draft Kayvon Thibodeau. Like, what those guys could be mm -hmm. at those respective positions, corner, edge, shit, like, what they hit, you hit on those guys, you only hit on one of those guys, it's twice as valuable as the center. So, yeah, I uh, that's where I lean for the Giants. If you trade down, do anything like that, then by all means, pull the trigger on Tyler Linderbaum. But if you're sitting there at five and seven and making a pick with those picks, just aim a little higher. I think a situation that could be a slam dunk scenario for the New York Giants is honestly, say they go one of the big three offensive tackles at five. Because I don't think one of those guys falls to them at seven, knowing that the Carolina Panthers want or probably need to invest in the offensive line. If Neil, Aquanu, or Cross is there at five, investing in one of them, maybe preferably Aquanu, if Aquanu gets to them at five, and then banking on the fact that Thibodeau will still be there at seven, if they went Aquanu, Thibodeau, that would be, in my opinion, a home run top you know, top of the draft for the New York Giants. I think that would be a home run for them. Now, do you worry about maybe Carolina or someone trading up with Carolina and grabbing Thibodeau if you pass on him at five? Potentially, you go and get, and it may, but he's been falling to nine. You know, he's yeah. been falling to eight, nine in, in recent mock drafts. Maybe he is willing to fall that far, or not willing, but maybe he's in a position to fall <laughs> that far. Um, I think the Giants would be in a really good spot if they can get one of those big three offensive tackles, not force their way into a penning or Ryman. I think that's too rich for Ryman at the top end. I know you're a big fan of Ryman, but get Aquanu and then hope that Thibodeau falls to you at seven. You're in a phenomenal spot, in my opinion, if you're the New York Giants. Before we get to the mailbag now, the listener mailbag, where we got some written questions, the presenting sponsor of this podcast, can I get a round of applause? Today, I'm excited to announce Manscaped launched their ultra premium collection. I don't know. So they lead with that, right? Are they expecting the listeners to applaud? And I'm asking the listeners now, do you guys applaud when I say, can I get a round of applause? I hardly even applaud. I know you sometimes like fake it. Just is, are the producers back there? Is Quinn and Alyssa applauding? I doubt it. Quinn, do you I applaud? Can. That, uh, honestly, of all the, like the reads that have had the applause so far, I, I feel like today's was the weakest applause. It's been awful. So sorry, Manscaped. I could feel the listenership just not applauding either. Today, I'm excited to announce Manscaped. They launched their ultra premium product. Applause or no applause. Believe it or not, it's for your not-so-private parts. I'm talking about a leveled-up hygiene routine with your favorite manly scent. This is an all-in-one all, all in one skin and hair kit for the everyday man and covers you from head to toe, literally. Manscaped is trusted below the waist. Now trust them with the rest. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off with free shipping with code PFF. I'd recommend using the products in this order. Hop in the shower and scrub it up dub that body with a Manscaped body wash, lather your hair with the two-in-one shampoo and conditioner to keep your noggin togging, toggle that noggin. If I see a noggin, that thing better be togging. Dry off and spray on the hydrating body moisturizer, moisture, I can't say that word, moisturizer to reinvigorate dry skin. Put on the Manscaped deodorant for what? Obvious reasons. Pop that Manscaped lip balm on. No one is here kissing chapped up lips. Get dressed after. That's optional. Wear one great scent all day long. Get 20% off plus free shipping with code PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping with code PFF at manscaped.com. The power of attraction is now in a bottle. Thanks to Manscaped. Going to shout out Alyssa Estep, producer here 
on the Tailgate Podcast. Also, shout out heading her way into law school. Oh, yeah. She told us today she's going her way. She's on her way to law school, studying for the LSATs. Your your take, if you can get to Quinn's mic, on Manscaped, the all-in-one scent. Um, all-in-one scent. I'm not for the two the two-in-one. <laughs> That's I will fine. Say that. That's fine. <laughs> but I feel like it has potential to uh, make a lot of people stink less. So. And I would dream for that, honestly. To have the potential to stink less is honestly, I need that. I need that in my life. So Alyssa gives the stamp of approval on Manscaped as well, which you love to see. And congratulations on your pursuits, or good luck on your pursuits to law school. This is from Ara Zobayan. Top 10 regular season games? <laughs> this one, I don't know. But we said we'd answer every uh, question that This one, asked. we're not answering. Top 10 regular season games so is an absurd question. We wanted to include it, but dude, I don't know what he's asking. Is it, would you want to say I should give all top 10? I think Raiders Chargers is one, right? Would you put Raiders Chargers one? Yeah, Raiders Chargers one was awesome. That was sick. There you go. There's your one. Top ten. I'm trying to think of the. I, I was trying to think of the best game that like Bengals I've Chiefs. Ever been to. Bengals, Bengals Chiefs, Chiefs was sick. Like, what's the best game you've ever been to? I, the Bengals Packers was Ooh, actually kind of a lit best game, game I've ever been to. From a, from a in retrospect, it was obviously one of the, like the one Super Bowl team, one one seed in the NFC. With all the missed field goals at the end was one of the more wild games i've ever been to I, I did not feel good afterwards i was like tense for a good hour straight but i haven't been to a lot of raiders games where it was like great good, you know yeah. what i mean there's been a lot of losses in my season ticket oakland raiders <laughs> career so I, it's hard to even think of a there was that game i was at mm -hmm. against the brett Favre led jets okay where they go into ot off like a seabass 70 yarder or some crazy or they went off a 70 yard i remember that being a big piece well, of it it's not a 70 yarder it was some it was a crazy yard. okay no it was a 70 yarder that game going against brett Favre, that one i remember being really cool but i was also like a kid i was like like yeah. 12 13 years old or whatever it was so it's hard to say like that was the best one i definitely think games i've been to since then san diego state beating cal davis webb's led cal on a cover of that game that was really cool i was at packers cardinals that game was awesome. The wild card game back in 2009. That was probably like the best, objectively best game I've yeah. been to. Now, obviously, lost when Aaron Rodgers fumbled at the end on when he got face masked, but on a no call. But I'm not salty about it. You're salty <laughs> about it. Do you guys remember the game where the guy, the Bengals game, where the guy took the ball from Brett Favre? Yes. I don't I was know if I that, that game. That was probably that wasn't the That's best good. game, but that was probably the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen at a sporting event. That was insane. I don't remember that. Bengals won that game. Uh, they did, kind of yeah. because that guy kinda, ran on yeah. the field. It, like everyone was so confused. I remember. Yeah, that was, and it what, allowed oh, the Bengals to like basically take a timeout and like regroup. I think that might have, was that two thousand seven. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Might have been. Yeah, I think it's two thousand seven. All right, this is from Joko Ba. Joko Ba has a question on every single mailbag we do. I don't know how he cheats the system, but he does. Is Jordan Davis? You can just edit your reviews. I think you can just edit your reviews, and then it gets resurfaced. Cheater. If we see consistent names, we have to call out cheaters. Yes, just create a new account. Come on, it's not yeah. that much effort. Come on, we need the more reviews. Yeah. Is Jordan Davis just a less athletic Derek Brown? He's not anymore. Yeah, this question got asked before the combine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we also need to hear from Daddy Quint. More from Daddy Quint. Wow. Maybe he's um sexy, sexy Aussie uh, robot. Aussie robot. Maybe Could he's be the same guy. Then. Could be the same guy. Could well, Jordan be. Davis is definitely not less athletic than a Derek Brown. Yes. Yeah, so the production think... is similar though, right? Like yeah. I think that's what he's calling out. The that... production is a pass rusher for Derek Brown. The production for Jordan Davis is a pass rusher is similar. That's what never really made sense to me about the Derek Brown sort of feelating. He was just like a solid athlete. And yeah. not to say that can't result in a um good NFL player. Like for sure it can. 
But usually when a guy gets talked about in the light, Derek Brown's getting talked about coming out. You're thinking he tests like Jordan Davis. He tests like Quinton Williams. He tests like, I don't know, shit, who are some other top DTs that went? Mar- Marcel Darius. Like they tests like an elite, elite athlete. Derek Brown had a 5'1", 27-inch vert, 9-foot broad jump. I mean, all pale in comparison to what Jordan Davis put up, what, what even like Dexter Lawrence put up. Um, so, and that's what he was thought of. It was like a nose tackle. So, yeah, I, I, I think, honestly, I think Jordan Davis is more of a penetrator, whereas Brown was more of a, kind of like a, more of a two-gapper in his own right. And now Davis can two-gap, but I don't think that's his biggest strength. His biggest strength, and I was talking with, when Seth was here, I'm like, dude, if you just, if you just put him as a tilt nose tackle and then had him slant every single play, I don't know how you keep him out of the backfield. At 340 pounds, I don't know how you like corral that guy one-on-one if you just let him get upfield, which Georgia didn't a lot. But literally every time they did, I think he got it. He F'd some play up. So that's uh, that's my thoughts on the two. Jordan Davis getting in up higher in the PFF draft more than Derek Brown did. With, with Derek Brown, I think he's in dangerous. He's on a dangerous, dangerous start to not getting his fifth-year option picked up. I'll say no, that. No, no, no. He's fine. You think? He's fine. They're, it's As long as Matt Rule is there, he's going to get his fifth-year option. But he's just he's just fine is the thing. He, you had the seventh yeah. overall pick, and you got a guy who's just fine. It, that's, that's kind of the pushback. I guess. This is from Jonathan Koppenhaver. As a Browns fan, we need receivers like the listeners need a name to go by. Well, you're the master Gators now, and that's Renner's call, Charlie Metzger's call. I was still a fan of the Gators, but whatever. Oh, he's not the biggest fan of the Gators. Thanks, Jonathan Copenhaver. Sorry, Austin. Good. In this draft, two or three receivers could possibly go before us at 13. Yeah, that's true. If Lennon and Wilson are taken before us and we draft Burks, what do you think about the fit in the, on the Browns? I'm down on Burks. Help me give me help. Give me something to look forward to. Are we sure Burks isn't this year's Justin Jefferson? Haven't seen enough in college, but breaks out in the NFL. Shamelessly shoehorning a simple second question. Mike, you have obviously watched a lot of film. So who do you think is faster? Caleb Farley or Derek Stingley Jr.? My money is on Stingley. Okay. Lots of process here. I'll start with the last one there. I think, here's my dumb take on the Stingley versus Farley debate. I haven't watched them. Again, going back and watching Farley's tape, and I haven't seen a bunch of them lately, but... At his peak, when he was good back in, I guess that was 2019 now. Yikes. Um, I think his top-end speed, when he really gets up cooking, when Farley is at... His flying speed, 20. Flying 20 is better than Stingley's. Like, he caught up to everyone. Close ground, anyone. Didn't matter. What's his face? The former Notre Dame wide receiver who's massive. Miles Chase Claypool. Boykin. Chase Claypool. Caught up to him when he got past him. Derek Stingley's acceleration's better. Derek Stingley, from standstill, gets up to it better. So... I guess I lean Farley then in terms of like you're saying faster, top speeds, who's faster. So I lean Farley in that, but it's close. It's close. Now, your first question, the wide receiver question. I'd be floored in this wide receiver class, just looking at it and kind of how it's shaking out in terms of the depth, in terms of who's drafting near the top of the draft, what other positions are available, whether it's tackle, whether it's edge, positions that, we say this every year, the difference between who the Giants can take at tackle between pick five and where they're sitting in the second round is so much more bigger than who they can take at wide receiver pick five and where they're going to be sitting in the Fair. second round. So you're going to get a lot of teams at the top who maybe need a wide receiver say, hey, I'm going to get a guy in the second round. 
I can get George Pickens. He could have been wide receiver one if he played this year. We don't know, but I can get him in the second round for sure. So I think you're going to see that. So I'd be floored if, like I said, more than one go prior to where the Browns selected at pick 13. And at that point, I, I do think, depending on who is still available, who does go, like I said, I, I don't think Burks is going that high anymore after his combine. I just don't. Um, but if it's Wilson or Drake London available, I think you could pull the trigger for the Browns. Even if it's Jamison Williams, I, I, I'd pull the trigger from the Browns. I think he's that good. The way I have the mock draft, my like latest opinion of the top 10 mapped out right now, I did not have a receiver going in the top 10. I do yeah. think that Aiden Hutchinson, who I think is now yeah. minus 300 to go number one overall, goes to Jacksonville Jaguars. Malik Willis, I'm buying into that buzz right now. I think Malik Willis will be the, I think right now could be the player that the Detroit Lions take at number two. And then had Icky Aquanu and Evan Neal come off the board at three and four, going to the Texans and Jets respectively. Then I had the Giants taking Thibodeau, Panthers taking crossover penning, a lot of people mocking a tackle to them at six. Then I have the Giants taking Ahmad Gardner, Trayvon Walker going at eight to the Atlanta Falcons. The Seattle Seahawks at nine taking Derek Stingley Jr. And then the Jets taking Cal Hamilton at 10. I do think that scenario obviously has a receiver falling outside the top 10 and could put the Browns in a good position to get either London or Wilson, where I think Wilson right now, Garrett Wilson, the Ohio State receiver, is the favorite to be the first receiver off the board. So to the Traylon Burks thing, are we sure he isn't Justin Jefferson? I think the better comp, and now, you know, we talked a lot about Jefferson only playing slot. Um, Burks only playing slot. That's To me, that's kind of where the comps end in terms of like, projection i think the more apt sort of is he like usage role and what he did in college compared to what he can be in the nfl is more like lavisca chanel and i think a lot of people were that was a name that came up a lot at the combine when Traylon burke's testing came out because lavisca had like whatever the injuries didn't run as fast as people thought had disappointing pre-draft testing in a similar vein a massive wide receiver but it's like looks great in college, looks great breaking tackles, looks, looks great with the ball in his hands, did everything he could there at Colorado and Arkansas respectively to get the ball in these guys' hands, but didn't have to actually become complete route runners because of that, because they weren't even like asked to do that. So I think that's the more like sort of- Stylistic. Yeah, real, more realistic projection of what you could be getting. And again, I, I think LaVisca Chanel is still gonna be a good player. And I think he still has had some valuable uh, contributions to the Jaguars, but I think that's more the slot sort of precautionary tale you worry about with Traylon Burks. This is from Jackboy512, which I think that's another guy that is cheating the system and continues to get mailbag questions in here. I have two questions. First, I hear you guys talk about Malik Willis's lack of growth, which I understand, but is that not partially attributed to playing at Liberty? Start there. So, yes, that's, that's him, that's Howell, that's Corral, that's all these guys hailing from I always say the word college and I don't have a better way to describe it, but like concepts and usage anti-pro-y. and sort of not going to respond to that. You said anti-pro-y. Yeah. And that's even worse. I will respond to it. That sucked. Um, but, but things that just aren't what you're going to be asked to do at the NFL. So yeah, you're not, you don't develop in those systems because there's no <laughs> development to be had. You can master those systems and not have shit in it that is even NFL translatable, that like you're gonna do day one of practice next fall. So that, that yes, that definitely is. Um, so yeah, okay, that's my answer, it definitely is. Love it, love it. And then the second question that they had is, when do we bring back up Shanahan's reluctance to play younger guys when it comes to Trey Lance? Shanahan had Ayuk in the doghouse for most of the season. It seemed and completely gave up on Dante Pettis. It seems as if he's doing it again with Lance if the rumors about them keeping Jimmy are true. 
So the Pettis thing would be different if Pettis like caught on anywhere and was anything. He hasn't. So that guy's an interesting cat. Yeah. Um, so that, that one I don't really blame. The Ayuk stuff. I think that one came back to like run blocking. Like he gets after dudes. I, I, Mike McDaniel's talked about it. He's talked about it. Run blocking for these wide receivers. Matt Lafleur talked about it. He wants his wide receivers run blocking the buy in there, and that was a big reason for Ayuk not even seeing the field. Whereas you know. Trent Sherfield seeing the field, Juwan Jennings seeing the field, because those guys wanted to get in there and run block. So that's a part of it as well. Uh, reluctance to play young guys. If, big if here, if they do start Jimmy G week one next year, if he is rolling in as starter, then yeah, I'll talk about it. Then I'll be like, not just, it's not, and it's not necessarily a reluctance to start young guys. It's, can he develop these guys into yeah, you know, yeah. Like, does he? I mean, he's drafting. He's making a lot exactly. of these decisions, right? That's yeah. what it comes back to to me. Like, you wanted Dante Pettis, you wanted Brandon Ayuk, you wanted Trey Lance. Not just wanted, like, by how much they gave up, you needed yes. Trey Lance. Yes, yes, yes. And now, if he does, I agree with you. If they start Jimmy G Jimmy Garoppolo week one, that would be absurd. And even with like Jimmy, you know, his ability to develop, Jimmy was shit better year one in that system than just about any other year. Like that was. And when they went in, what you one said, so? What game. you're saying is Kyle Shanahan stinks, and he's not. Well, I'm just saying, like there is there is something in terms of that question has to be asked. Should, like I said, if still rolling to week one next year with Jimmy G. Gun to your head, do you think Jimmy Garoppolo stays, is cut, or traded? There's no, I just no effing way he stays. Right, I I, I think he's traded. I think I I think it say, say here's a scenario that I don't think happens, but honestly, if Shanahan said I want to start Jimmy Garoppolo week one, to the yeah, 49ers brass. No, to the 49ers brass, I think the front office trades him because they can't. They just look stupid. <laughs> like, they're like, no, Kyle. If Jimmy G's on this roster, you're going to start. It's like the Moneyball thing. It's like, no, we are not. We have put together this roster. You have to play the quarterback. We've traded all those picks for. We have to. I mean, it looks even. It'll, it'll look. The Trey Lance draft pick will look even worse than the Jordan Love one if they just, like, play Jimmy G another year and then maybe they consider extending it. I mean, this would be absurd. This would be absurd, especially with how bad Jimmy Garoppolo has played. This is from Jameson Schumacher, who I think is another guy editing his reviews. We need to get on these guys. We start writing down these names, Quinn. Alyssa, you're going to be in law. This is a cheater. This is a literal cheater. We need him to be addressed. What are your thoughts on Michael Thomas' trade to the Browns? Is his contract untradeable? It is untradeable to a degree. To a degree. It's like if they post June 1st trade, they basically just eat his salary this year. So, and have some cap hit next year into it. So it's not completely untradeable, but you're not getting shit. What you be getting if Michael Thomas is on your roster, especially when you're a team that needs wide receivers. The only way like you trade Michael Thomas is if he, he himself wants to be traded, if he's going to be a problem in your building. And, and now there's no... TBD, we have no insight onto whether that's the case or not or whether if that will be the case. But that's the only way. To me, if I'm like the Browns and I'm seriously want to trade for somebody, the guy I'm like tagging or looking more towards is Amari Cooper. Because I think that they can fit his contract there. It's a it's a contract where if it doesn't work out, you can cut him. You, know, you can get out from that contract if you are the Browns. There's no Odell situation here where it's like, oh shit, we're going to take a bath should we trade for him. And cut him. It's like no. It's probably cost you like a fourth, fifth round to get him. Not, not much. You pay him like you know, a, not a top end wide receiver, but close to a top end wide receiver. And shit, if it doesn't work out, you paid him twenty million dollars for one year, and you can cut bait. So to me, that's where I'd be looking if I were them. Whereas if you trade for Michael Thomas, there's a little bit 
more cap implications there. So. so PFF, the social media team, put together an Amari Cooper Miami Dolphins swap today. Yeah. He's obviously from the day. I think he's from Dade. I think he's from Miami area. Did I just say Dade? I think he's As from if Dade. You're like a. I'm not. That, that wasn't to sound cooler than I am. I think I just remember following Amari Cooper really closely when he was drafted by the Raiders. Big Dade boy. Uh yeah, from Dade. No, I, I sound like an asshole now, and I kind of want to take it back. I think he's from Florida. Now everyone's been mocking him to Jacksonville, not mocking him, but he kind of like considering Miami. he's going to go Jacksonville. He's from Miami. I kind of like that. He's from Dade. I, do you? I kind of like the Miami option. I know they don't have quarterback solves or anywhere near quarterback solve, but they Mike McDaniel, Jalen Waddle. I mean, they, they don't have quarterback solved, but they're not doing it. They're like they're not going anywhere else at this point. Yeah. To it. So, uh, getting another separator there, which is kind of the way to a plays, I think would be massive. I, I don't think he's the guy who. I still think he'll ever mesh well with a Devontae Parker. So, all right. See you later, Jameson Schumacher. We're never asking, answering a question from him again. He's off the team. Browns and Guardians fan one two six. How high can Tariq Willing go? What do you think about him? Okay, so. Tariq Willen, unfamiliar. UTSA corner, ran a 4-2-6 at the Combine. It's like 6-3. Freak personified. To me, the sort of corollary player comp-ish, Isaiah Johnson. You know him. The former Raiders corner. Coming out of Houston was insane. He was like 6... He was 6-3, like 208. Ran a 4-4, had like a 6-8-3 cone, like 11-foot broad jump. Freak of nature athletically. He goes 126th overall. So he's a fourth-round pick. And I think his tape was probably worse than Tariq Wollins in terms of just the dude did not. He was probably the worst tackling corner I've scouted since I started doing this. He, he had no interest. Some of the worst attempts I've ever seen. So I think Wollins a little bit better in that regard. A little, and has more of and, – and Isaiah Johnson was also a converted wide receiver himself. So I think that's about your floor then because Wollins probably a little more – like I said, tape's a little bit better, a little more athletic. So I think he'd go in the third round. But I, I, he's like I said, I don't think your second round. I would just that would be a play when you have guys who can really make an impact on your team and already soon. play the position well, yeah, right? It's still yeah. like a position that he's learning. He made the transition from safety, this athletic monster. But I think third round makes sense. William Froman, who is QBU, wide receiver U, OLU, wide receiver U. He said wide receiver U twice. Yeah. I think it meant running back you for one of those, but that's fine. I, I'll say QBU. It's hard to argue with Oklahoma at this point. I'm going to do recent. No, siege. Oklahoma absolutely has to be. And I don't think there really is a true QBU yeah. because so many of the talented quarterbacks, like so many of the talented quarterbacks in the NFL come from different schools. But right now, I think you'd have to argue it's Oklahoma. Baker, Kyler, Jalen Hurts. Maybe just Lincoln Riley. Um, Lincoln Riley's QBU. All right, wide receiver. Spencer Rattler. TBD. Caleb Williams, RIP. Uh, wide receiver U, LSU or Bama? This one's toss-up. Bama. LSU had two top four wide receivers, though, last year. Now they're from one team. At Recency, LSU. maybe you do lean LSU. But they had Odell and Jarvis also. Bama had Julio and a Coop, though. Julio, Coop. Julio's like the best receiver we've seen in the last Waddle. 10 years. I think that he's, has value. He's gone down. I know. Waddle. Recency, I think you'd lean LSU, Devante. but over the course of the last 10 years, I think you have to say Bama. It's a debate. It's a debate. That one's close. Uh, running back you, Memphis gets a little bit of a shout-out, but this one's, this one's got to be Bama. They've had, since 2011, seven first- or second-round picks. No way! Seven first- or second-round picks, and that's not even including Kenyon Drake, who went in the third. Um, 
who's the Patriots running back who went in the third? Damian Harris went in the third. That's not even including those guys. Seven, so nine first, second, or third round picks in 2011. Yeah. Almost one a year. That's that's hard. Georgia has churned out some some backs. Georgia too. Uh, not not going to hate against Georgia. They've had what two first rounders over that span. Arkansas for that one year they had Darren McFadden, Felix Jones, and Peyton Hillis. Three thousand yard rush. San Diego State for Rashad Penny and Donald Pumphrey. Nick Bott in the fullback. Yeah, but it's just Bama's running back talent. They've had one drafted ever. Not they've averaged a player drafted each for the whole past decade. That's tough to do. So yeah. even Jerome Ford, who's going to be a draft pick in this class, is a transfer from Bama. Like they are, they 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 find Alma Kamara transfer from Bama. They know, they know what they're doing. Um, o line, you Notre Dame Iowa? or Iowa? I think it's Notre Dame or Iowa. I think Notre Dame. Obviously, it sounds biased coming from two Golden Domers, but I think there's <laughs> there's value. We just turn them out, dude. You know. Yeah, I, I know we at Notre Dame turn them out, so I think it's easy. To, I, I think since it is a Notre Dame podcast, we go Dame. Yeah. Only fair. Only fair. You can't ask two home two homers like us. Two golden homers. Oh, he had a second part to that question. Now that you guys are living together, what are three ridiculous habits of each other now that you live? So one that I did not recognize until I started living with you, I do leave my shoes everywhere. Yeah. I just leave my shoes everywhere. That's something I can change. I can get better. Your your habit, I don't know. Oh, wait, who is the, the speak pipe I meant to talk about it that you breathing? Yesterday, I come out of my room, and I was like, dude, all I oh, can hear is right. sniffing. Oh, that's right. That's right. I don't know what... So I was also brushing my teeth in the kitchen, which is kind of yeah. fucked. And you're just like, all I hear is just just like every like three seconds. It's I bad. I just feel like a big suck in through your nose. It's bad. So that's another habit, too. Third habit? Um, I don't know. I guess realizing that you didn't put your bed away is like you... You you grind. You're not... Uh, you like have like... You have to separate out like things you do, I feel like. Yeah, Very, yeah. Very... Um, you don't have like a multitasking or not necessarily multitasking. But I can't describe it. A hyper-focus. Yes. A hyper-focus hyper is what it's been billed as. Like if I'm doing work, I am only working. And like I, I bought a shower curtain for the bathroom mm -hmm. two weeks ago. I haven't put it up. I'm yeah. just showering with no shower curtain. Yes, like eventually, I, like I have to like task it out. I have to task <laughs> when you're going to put up the shower curtain. It's not like, oh, eventually I'll get that up. Or I'll get it up. It's it's yeah. like no, I have to make a concerted effort because I'm just like I sound like an asshole, but I do prioritize work a lot. I am consistently working. Habits for you, I haven't really noticed a ton. You did watch Harry Potter with your girl yesterday, which I thought was an interesting a habit that I just don't know. I don't know if it's a habit, but it was an interesting play. I didn't um, know you were a Harry Potter fan. Yeah, I hadn't seen the seventh one in a while. Okay, buddy, how bad are those graphics in retrospect? Oh my, oh my god. god! So I had to take while I was watching. I'm like, they need to remake the Harry Potter movies once every decade. Just keep up with the times. Oh, dude, like, those would do numbers. That's what bro. I'm saying. Those would do absolute would, numbers. Especially now. That's going to be the next wave, dude. Good movies that were made. A good movie series. Ten, remake it like dude, Lord of the Rings. Shot. Just yeah. do, Lord of the Rings was cool, and the graphics, yeah. if you watched them today, were solid. You make it now, I mean, that should be absurd. Minds, yeah. And and uh, just look at Marvel. Marvel can remake Spider-Man 60 times. And everyone's going to be like, you know what? Can't wait for the next one. It's going to be sick. But like remaking with the identical plot no, is, yeah, is going to be the new wave. I really do agree like with that. This I honestly movie, agree with that. Not changing really anything. That's essentially what they did with Dune. Like Dune is literally that. It's okay. the same movie. Yeah, that's like, the new wave. Though, yeah, yeah like sure. Dune did that movie in like 1970 or whenever the fuck it was. Mm -hmm. And Dune did it again, but with HBO money and that shit was lit. Yeah, the scene also is a, is a book purist. I'm not like usually the book guy, but a the Harry books is so much better. The scene where Harry grabs full spoiler alert, grabs Voldemort 
and they jump off the ledge and he says together is the corniest worst scene in cinematic history. I still can't believe whoever made that movie thought that should be in it. I also think yeah. if you watch those movies back to back now, Hermione is like one of the worst actresses in the history of time. It is, or she's just a poorly written character and the books have her as like a nerdy kind of piece of shit which I don't think kids were describing her as back when then. I but it, in the movie, she's just awful. I think she's awful. It's tough. It's a, it's it's a, a well-cast movie, but I do think that the actors are, are cheeks. Uh, let's go to no, no comments from the peanut gallery, the producer gallery. I know Harry Potter is a big deal back there. Quinn, anything? I just, I, I, I'm starting to get why Mike went to Notre Dame now because like they call him like halls and like all the, oh, I, made yeah. the I made the Notre Dame um, Hogwarts comparisons before. And so now it's kind of starting to like match up. Did you read bit. all the books as a kid? The yes. So the South Dining Hall there, people always say it looks like the dining halls in Hogwarts or the whatever the, the yeah. Great Hall in Hogwarts because it just has a bunch of uh, mm -hmm. long wooden benches and it's got like big cathedral arch ceilings. It's pretty dope. Sounds sick, dude. Uh, I can't wait to go and visit. <laughs> this is from Mendoza QM. This is another guy that I do think is getting these messages in. We need to write these down. What are some NFL unicorns? Unicorns by position. All right. Let's dive in. NFL unicorns. Quarterback, this one's pretty obvious. I went like athletic unicorns. Yeah. Lamar Jackson. Like athletic and like all around whatever. I'm not just going to put the guys who test the best account. But Lamar Jackson is a unicorn. Running back, this one was tough. I went Jonathan Taylor. I think Nick Chubb is also a unicorn. But like there's no, to me there's no, I guess Derrick Henry also. Maybe Derrick Henry. Maybe I fucked that. No, Derrick, Derrick Henry is definitely a unicorn. A unicorn. I, I fucked He's that. a rhino. Both have one horn. All right. Tyreek Hill. Do rhinos have one horn or two? I think yeah. some have two. They have like the one big one, and then they have like some. A mini ones. horn? Yeah. Tyreek Hill at wide receiver is still is the current unicorn. No, they do have two. Tight ends, Cal Pitts. Offensive line, still Trent Williams. Trent Williams, go back and look at his combine. It's unbelievable. Defense tackle, Aaron Donald. That one's not, not breaking news here. Edge, it's Miles Garrett. Just watching him play basketball at the All Star Game or whatever the Stars game, he looked he looked like someone had uh, puffed air into him. You know, he his body like, does not make sense. Right, it, it looked like he was a he was wearing like one of those suits that you fill with air. He just looked ridiculous. He's not he's a unicorn. Uh, linebacker is Micah Parsons. That one's pretty obvious. Cornerback. I'm not sure there's like a, a unicorn cornerback. Like Patrick Peterson was that guy for a while. I don't think Jalen Ramsey's that tier of freak, but I think he's the closest we got at the moment. Safety Derwin James. Unicorn. They're, they're your unicorns. So the only thing is new unicorn, and not just because we're like really good friends now and text a decent amount. Brandon Marshall. I went back like and we've talked about the Drake London comparison. Him being 229 pounds and running a 4.52 is absurd. Yeah. It was it Brady Quinn was like, they're not the same. Yeah. He's, yeah. Because we had Brady on the pod. We're like, yeah, we kind of think of... he only looks like Brandon Marshall. He's like, no. Because Brady Quinn threw to Brandon Marshall. Yeah. And this guy's a different breed. Yeah. I mean, running like, a 4.52 at his size is insane. I wonder. So they didn't measure wingspans back then. That's like a recent phenomena that I do wonder what his would have been. I'm Aren't there unicorns in Harry Potter? Or did you like that question more? Because he mentioned unicorn. Yes. So he had actually small hands. He had eight and seven eighths inch hands for a guy that size. Oh, man. But he did have almost have... 33 inch arms at six foot, four and a half. Yowza. This is from Chank009636. 
You guys mentioned how slot receivers are becoming bigger and more power slot types. Does that also change how slot cornerbacks are seen? Should a guy like Jalen Petrie go higher than he might have before? And does someone like Marcus Jones, who's five foot eight, have a place in the league like that? That's number one. Answer that one first. Yes. Yeah, I think slots, guys who are slots that can also play the run at a high level. So basically your slots that are capable of playing linebacker too, I think are more valuable because they can it all goes back to can you fit run from non-base defenses? That's what you want. That's what every coach, defensive coach in the NFL is looking for. Personnel that can stop the run while still being in nickel or dime. And to me, Jalen Petrie is a guy who massive, massive impact against the run while keeping you in nickel. You never have to go, unless they've come out with two tight ends and an extra offensive tackle, you don't have to put out base personnel question two and so to marcus jones um i i think he's a now he, the thing about him is he didn't really play slot he was an outside corner at houston um but he is a lot smaller although antoine winfield was like the, the goat slot cornerback in how he played the run at his size and it was like around a similar size so a lot of it is still want to but yeah i, I do think it's going to make marcus jones fall a touch Question two, how do you weigh talent versus scheme? Example, if Penning and Cross are available at 14 for the Ravens, do you take the perfect scheme fit or the guy who might just be a better player and a better pass protector? Defense, you have to you have to factor in scheme because that's – you can't ask a guy to do something he's not going to do. Like there's no like, oh, just talent, fit him in, whatever. No, pass protection is pass protection. I don't care who you are in a third and eight, you're a pass protector. It's not, it's not, that's not a scheme thing around the league. You are taking a vertical or a angle set and you are trying to go one-on-one. Yeah, I don't care who you are. So pass protection still, I still lean. If I'm an NFL evaluator, I'm still leaning towards the guy who can pass protect, even if I'm taking maybe the guy who's going to be a little worse run blocker because that's, you know, the guy who can get it done on third and eight is far more valuable than a guy who can crush a down block. Now, if you see them in a somewhat similar vein in terms of pass protection or even close, I do think you tip the scales. It's something you do have to take into account, and you will value. If you're the Baltimore Ravens, you will value a Trevor Penning higher than um, maybe we will here. Not drafting for the Baltimore Ravens. But to me, they're far enough in terms of their pass protection ability that I still lean cross. But if they thought they were close, yeah, you'd probably – would lean penny for them. And I do think that the NFL will view them closer than we do, mm-hmm. especially given some of the forecasters and how we've seen mock drafts play out for Charles Cross. I do think that the NFL will be higher ultimately on penning than we are when our final board does come out. This is from GatorFan69. Love that creativity. I love that adolescence, if you will. Hey, guys, before my question, a few, a few shows ago, both of you said that you could lift 225 on the bench. I don't think you guys could even do a single rep of 135, one plate aside, especially Austin, who doesn't even lift, and Mike, who doesn't weigh 140 pounds. One, I don't think I can lift 225 anymore. I went to the gym, Planet Fitness, which actually has a bench. Our our, um, apartment bench doesn't. And I did 185, like five times. But I don't think I get to 225. Yeah, if you're only doing five, you're probably not getting there. But I I mean, 135, if if at any point in my fucking life, I don't care if I'm nine years old, if I can't lift 135 once, that is an embarrassment. 135 is like a push-up. I love how he really thought we didn't lift, so he had to clarify that that's one plate aside. Yeah. 135. (laughs) He really thinks we're bitches. I mean, and I'm not, like, going to come up. I'm, like, not going to come on here and say I lift, but I did lift, like, nine years when I played high school. I mean, I played football since I was in fifth grade. Um, 
I did. I did do two twenty five four times at one point. That is. I know. I did like six times. I did. I've done it six times before. I've done six two twenty five reps. Yeah. Like if you are not yourself, actively working out or actively being active. Nice. It goes quickly. Like oh, dude, you do a year of doing nothing, stay on your ass. No one's gonna look athletic. You know. Yeah. Look at former NFL players. You'd swear they never stepped foot on a football field. So, um, I. I am not putting up 225 pounds anytime soon. I have no interest in getting hurt. I don't lift for that anymore. Yeah. But I could definitely do it. Fuck. I, I'm also 180 pounds. What, guys, come on. I'm Jared Aberdeer's spotty. Come on. I love you that. guys know I that. I love that. Uh, next question. Uh, I hope it doesn't demean us as much. Where was it? There are reports that Derek Stanley could be dropped, dropping to the 20s. Do you feel like it would be worth the Chiefs trading up to take him if that happens? I know PFF hates trading up for non-quarterbacks, but if he lives up to his potential, the Chiefs would have a Jalen Ramsey type that could transform their defense. So we hate trading up. It's usually when the stakes are high, when it's like top 10 to 15 picks, because that's when you're giving up actual capital. Like top top 60 picks. Yeah, so like the Sammy Watkins trade. They gave up another first rounder to get a wide receiver in that draft class that ended up being Mike Evans. They could have had, I guess, no, Mike Evans still didn't make it to where they initially were, but they could have had Odell Beckham. They could have had Brandon Cooks. They could have had a lot of guys. You know, Devontae Adams, Allen Robinson. That was that 14 class. That was insane. So we say, like, when you're trading up within that top 10 to 15 picks where it's going to cost you, like, they gave up a future first rounder, maybe a second rounder, where those picks are also themselves guys who should be starting for you year one. When it's costing you two starters, that tra- trade, that's when we push back on it. It's when, so if the Chiefs are trading from, like you said, Stingley dropping into the 20s, they'd be trading up from, what, 30 to say, let's just say pick 22. That's going to cost you a third. And the third towards the back end of the third. At that point, that guy's not, you don't expect the guy at the back end of the third to come in to be a starter on your yeah. roster. Whereas you think Derek Stingley, obviously on the PFF board, he's top five player. If you, if you think that's top five player in the class, you pull that trigger 10 times out of 10. So, yes, I think especially for the Chiefs defense where they play so much press, where mm-hmm. they play so much ISO on the outside. I think they played the most press cover yes. snaps of any team in the NFL last year. Yes. So, it's, it's again, like when the – so I, a similar sort of trade was when the Packers went and got Jair Alexander, traded with the Seahawks that year, moved up something like nine spots. I think it was 27 to 18 is what they moved after they had already traded back for the Mark Stanford thing. But I think they gave up a third that year to get the to get that Jair Alexander trade done. That point, yes, all it was worth. It. That's we, we, so that we say it's more towards the very top of the draft, where it's like, don't be so confident that pick six is going to be much better than pick eleven or whatever, because you usually if you draft pick eleven, you're a bad team, and usually if you draft pick eleven, there's still going to be a good player on the board. So mm-hmm. that's why we say that. A couple more questions, and we are jumping from the bonus episode here. This is from James Vang on Twitter. Thoughts on Jareth Stearns, East-West Shrine Bowl receiver from Western Kentucky. Came in small, small, small. Five foot seven, one eighty-three. Uber productive with Bailey Zappi at Western Kentucky. He had more slot receiving yards than any player in the FBS last year. But if you're not, and you have this highlight in your notes, you know, if you're small and not athletic, and this is a, you know, round six, round seven type of player. Yeah, five seven one eight three. That's like, that's it. Five seven one eight three. Not a lot of guys. The, the only guys in that mold to produce run low four threes. You know, yeah. Like and even those guys are tough to build offenses around, right? Yeah. Like we mentioned that, and it's like it's rare that someone that size, even the ones that run low four fours, high four threes, mm-hmm. it's still difficult 
to work with those guys. I mean, it's still difficult to feed those guys like more than six targets a game even. Yeah. Can he even bench 135 pounds? That's asked that question, asshole. Who was that guy who asked us that? <laughs> I'm going to hurt somebody. Oh, SkaterFan69. I'm going to take a video. No, I'm not. That would be embarrassing. Of me doing 135, that's embarrassing. I could do it. I could do it, though. This is from Greg Husser. Husser? I hardly know her. Why is Carrier Elam 17th when his grade is so low? Is this another Vernon Hargraves? Stop same school scouting. Stop it. Vernon Hargraves. That's not even the same. Uh... Vernon Hargraves, legend. You know, like they didn't even have the same coaching staff. Yeah. Vernon also, Hargraves. Vernon Hargraves graded really well for us. And yes, he actually was, I think, a so sophomore. Screw last you, Greg yeah, Hooser. No. Dude, you're, you're fucking hating on a lot of the fans. Here. Nah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Well, I kind of got I my masculinity called you. out. I'm just saying, I know you're you're still reeling from that. Yeah. Thinking someone doesn't. Someone when I get back, I'm going to rip the bench and some smelling salts. Yeah, you should. Um, penalties, though. So his grade was so low because he committed seven coverage penalties in nine games. A penalty a game is it's obviously not good, but he doesn't have a history of penalties back when he was healthy in 2020, playing as a freshman in 2019. That wasn't an issue. So you look at penalties on the whole, this isn't a, you know, I'm trying to think of a corner who really had penalties. Like Josh Joe, Alabama corner. He has penalty issues. He has committed penalties every single year of his college career in a big way. And again, when they're in college, they're – it's hard to commit penalties. So if you have penalty issues in college, they're only going to get exacerbated in the NFL. Elam, seven and nine games. That's why his grade is so low. I don't know what the hell he was doing the Samford game. You go back and watch Samford tape, and he was just out to lunch. Now, it was Samford. I think he just showed up and thought he, he – actually, I don't even know if he showed up. He, he played, though, but it wasn't good. That was just – throw that tape out. I don't know. He's going to have to answer for that when he gets into meetings. But he's a guy who's not even 21 years old. And won't turn 21 till May. So young, productive at a young age. I still believe in 6'2", 200 with 4'3 speed. It's a nice combo. So I, I still like him as first round type of corner. Love to see it. I think he ends up going, I mean, the Chiefs, I think, is his that, floor. I don't know about floor, but that's where I'm like, if the Chiefs don't, like, so if Stingley is a fall to the 20s, they don't trade up, they got to be loving what they're seeing in Kiai real estate. That is the last mailbag question, but I had one more question for you. The USFL is breaking into or starting an NFT marketplace. Oh, I thought. How interested are you in investing in a USFL NFT? None. Zero. Okay. I, I don't know NFTs. I I, we haven't talked about to. it enough, I've seen, these, I've seen this stuff about these NFT scams, and I am interested in that, scamming people off of NFTs, where it's all untraceable because you get paid via Ethereum. blockchain, whatever. Yeah. Scamming's hot in the streets now. But that would be create a nice little NFT No, like the inventing Anna and like Tinder Swindler on Netflix. Oh, true. No, it is like, hot in the streets. Like swindling is hot in the streets. And we have Alyssa. We the have Tinder a lawyer now. Was. We have a lawyer. We can scam and we can get out of this. I, I think there's a lot he, of moves. That guy was a genius. A visionary, if you will. The, the only thing I took away from the Tinder Swindler was that guy's in his bag. You know that that guy couldn't. That guy that yeah. guy was just making just absurd, absurd plays. See, I just I just assume. Being an American and like you only like see like things in Europe happen when they're like that. I just yeah. assume that's like all of Europe that is Mike, you're being scammed. Just on the topic there. of the Tinder swindler, like I see I, uh, taken, and I'm like, that's just that's Europe. They Euro just, all, everyone's trying to everyone's trying to scam you in some way, shape, or form. Don't believe anyone there. On the topic of Tinder swindler, so if you haven't watched the Netflix documentary, I highly encourage you to do so. There's a part where he asks the woman of interest for twenty thousand dollars. Because yeah. he's in a bind. Mm -hmm. 
Would you ever loan me $20,000? No. You've known me for how long? Four or five years? Uh, yeah. So pretend, so pretend you agreed right. to give me $20,000 because I'm going to bind. Okay. Then, without paying you back, without paying me back, I ask for another $30,000. Do you give me the $30,000? I would never... I just have no... I just would never take out a loan. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. She, Short-term she loans. She initially gives him credit cards. He maxes them out, doesn't pay them off, and then asks for 20000 She gives him the 20000 In that point, maxed out credit cards, 20000 still ends up loaning out like another like fifty grand. My buddy who did... Used to work for a company that did short-term loans. And just seeing, like, hearing what he does at his job, I will never take out a short-term loan. They are so predatory, and it's like... They do everything legally and above board, but you do not want to take out a short-term loan. I'll just say that. You're, wow. Wow. You're, you're just like, you're, I'm just saying you're like, your interest rates there, they know they got you by the walls. So I bad. do want to have more conversation on this podcast specifically about NFTs because I don't know anything about NFTs. But the only thing I, I feel like I am learning is if everyone has an NFT, does anyone have an NFT? Like I don't I think the saturation has to be a factor, right? At a certain point it has to be a factor. If USFL is having NFTs, if everything can just be an NFT, at what point is it because people keep on making the um the connection to baseball cards and football cards and Beanie Babies when they were the craze. Beanie Babies were one fucking thing. And you could either make a Beanie Baby or not. And for baseball cards, there's only so many baseball players. For football cards, there's only so many football players. And then there's Pokemon cards, whatever. <laughs> if every single idea can be an NFT, if a penguin dressed as a fucking Monopoly character is an NFT, and so is a USFL player. Are those NFTs actually, that one interested me. The penguin dressed as a yeah. Monopoly player? It is. Is it Mr. Monopoly? Does he have the monocle? He does. The top hat? He does. All right, maybe they got me. <laughs> I'm, they got I'm, just saying, I'm just saying it's getting to a point where they're not as rare, right? It just doesn't feel as rare as like some of the analogies people have made with like baseball cards and owning art and shit like that. Yeah, yeah that's the thing. It's just, to me, it's this isn't art. Like it's, there's nothing like art is art is value like the best art because it it takes some level of skill what's like an nft is just they're monopolizing the scarcity aspect not the skill mm -hmm. and appreciating what went into it aspect I, i'll say this i'll this. say this to close out nfts and close out the show i completely understand how you can make money off of it because yeah. there's some dumbass motherfuckers out there yeah. some dumbasses who like you buy an NFT at X, there's someone dumber than you that's willing to buy it at 2X because they think it could get to 3X, right? Like, I mean, it's, that makes 100% sense to me. Now, I just don't understand when do those assumptions end? When does it eventually get to the Beanie Babies pop, right? Like, no one's buying a Beanie Baby right now for freaking 15 grand or whatever it was back in the day. Well, that's what I think when we first brought up NFTs, my first thought was who in 20 years is going to say I, ha I spent, who's going to want to say I spent $10,000 for a picture of a monkey? That's my monk. That's now mine. Like who in their right effing mind is going to even think that? Twenty years. Who? who no one. I, I would hope. So it's a bubble. Like, now I think make, a lot like of I said, you can make money, but it's nothing I want a part of. That's the thing I want to get ahead of the most, right? There, there are people who talk about NFTs and they don't understand how people are making money off them and don't understand why anyone's even buying them right now. I 100% get why people are buying them. Yeah. Right now. I don't understand the longevity, though. I don't understand yes. how, like, these stay around. I don't understand how we're going to... If the USFL is sending out, selling out NFTs, I just don't understand how the scarcity aspect of it is going to be maintained. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of Tailgate. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, until next time, Austin Gale, Mike Renner, Alyssa Stepp, future lawyer, Mike Quinn, Tailgate. Tailgate.